Hi, I'm Rick Atkins, pastor here at CFCC. Welcome. We hope you enjoy this sermon and that God uses it to grow you in your relationship with Him. Before we get started, our goal is not to replace your investment in a local church with online content. We were made for community. We want to encourage you to engage in a local church with your gifts. See, when the people of God invest in the community of God, they experience the transformative power of God. And that is our hope and prayer for you. Again, thanks for joining us and we hope you enjoy the sermon. Well, good morning and Merry Christmas. It's good to see you guys again this morning and to all of you joining us online. Welcome to the second week of our Christmas series as we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And uh, I want to take a, a moment to highlight a few things before we keep going in our series entitled This Little Light, where we're looking again at Jesus, the light of the world. And his light changing our lives and the lives around us. And today we're going to look at the life of a man named Simeon and we're going to see what he saw as he saw the light. And before we get to that, if you have a Bible, go ahead and join me in Luke chapter 2. And while you're turning there in Luke chapter 2, let me uh, just highlight a few things. First of all, it's a very special a very special morning. It's celebration of baptisms morning. And so we're excited to do that at the end of our service. If those of you on the front row, you are in the splash zone. Uh, you have chosen wisely today. Uh, uh, this uh, first service was an incredible moment of celebration and just encouragement as we had uh, several, many uh, step in and be baptized and proclaim Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you today. Uh, even though you may have come here not necessarily prepared to be baptized today, uh, if God moves on you, if the Holy Spirit moves on you to step in and declare because you are a follower and a believer in Jesus Christ, but maybe you've never been baptized, I would encourage you today during our time together that you would just seek the Lord's guidance and that you would listen to the Holy Spirit uh, as He might lead you to step in to the baptismal. And if you're worried about uh, not having the clothing or towels or, or any of those things. We have all that taken care of. We have everything that you would need. We even know some people who can fix your hair back to the way it was when you came in. Uh, and I say all that, and we, we share that every time. We say all that to not let anything stop you from following God's lead in your life if that's what He is calling you to do today, okay? Holiday, Christmas times are in front of us. Christmas, just make note of this, and I'll, we'll continue to share this so that everybody uh, hears this clearly. Christmas Eve services, 3 and 5 p.m. Christmas Day service is online only as a very special service that we have been filming this past week to put together. It will premiere at 10.30 a.m., so please worship with your family on Christmas Day. Worship with your kids and those that you love, and, and watch that service online at 10.30. And then New Year's Day service will be one service, 10.30, so you guys are on time for the New Year's Day service, uh, 10.30 right here, everybody in the auditorium together, and so um, make, please make note of that, please make sure you mark that so you'll know what times to be here and to celebrate with us. And then one last thing, our prayer team, uh, those that are in our auditorium with the green tags, our prayer team is available after service uh, for praying with you, praying for you. Please take advantage of that. If you need prayer and you want to pray with someone, our prayer team would love the opportunity to pray with you and pray for you. So seek them out after our service today. Uh, so please know that they're there. All right. Before we get into Luke 2, let's begin with a question. I want to ask you a question. What, what would it take in your life for you to die a satisfied and peaceful person? What would it take 
As you begin to ponder or think about that question, what would it take to die satisfied and at peace? Maybe a little bit more in your retirement fund that, that maybe gets left to take care of family or, or, or kids so that they can have the education that you wanted them to have, always kind of thinking, man, if I can provide just a little bit more for my family or my kids or my children that you know, more than I did might help advance them a little bit. Maybe it's you know, leaving a lasting impression or a legacy um, at work, you know, an imprint and whatever you do vocationally. But the question is, what would it take to die satisfied and at peace? And when we get into our text today in Luke chapter 2 and we meet Simeon, we see how Simeon, he sees the light. He sees the light and he's deeply satisfied. He's at peace. And he even, he even resigns himself to the, to the point of saying to God, now, Lord, I can die. I can now die. A very provocative statement as we look at that. So let's look at our text. Luke chapter 2, verses 25 to 32. We see the story of a man named Simeon. Luke writes, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Verse 26, And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, verse 28, he took him up in his arms and he blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in your presence of all peoples. Verse 32, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. So we begin with asking ourselves, well, who is this guy named Simeon? There is no other record of him. We see him in the narrative in the Gospel of Luke. There's not a lot of information about him. So who is he? We believe most likely he's an older gentleman. He's not a high priest. He's not clergy. He's not a pastor. And I tell you that is because we meet him in the temple or the, the church of that day. He's just an older gentleman who loves God. He has a deep dependence on the Holy Spirit. And we learn from scriptures that he is devout and he was righteous and he's from Jerusalem. Now there's something different, isn't there, about meeting an older gentleman and meeting a wise sage. We might meet older guys all the time, but meeting a wise sage is something of a rarity. We could say Simeon is a wise sage. He's the kind of guy that when you, when you meet him and you run into him, you walk away from that, that meeting, that, that time with him, deeply encouraged because he genuinely, sincerely loves God. And he's preoccupied with the things that matter to God. And that's, that's who Simeon is, as we just see within our texts. We could say that Luke records this account of Simeon, and no one else does, but Luke records this to show us what Simeon saw as that moment happened as it's captured here in our text. When Simeon saw the Christ child, he saw the gospel. He saw the light, the capital L light, the light of the world as an attractive and costly yet satisfying gospel. He saw the gospel clearly, and because of that, he was satisfied. That's Simeon. And so the story of Simeon, before we really break down our text, is a reminder. It's a reminder that, that every Christmas season, every time we come to this part of our calendar, 
Every Christmas season is essentially about the far surpassing joy that a personal relationship with Jesus Christ brings. To be a follower of Christ means to have, to have declared that nothing, nothing, no person and no thing is more important. No person or no thing is more attractive. No person and no thing is more worthy than Jesus Christ. That is what Simeon saw as he held the Christ child. And that is what all godly people should see, even to the point of death. So here's what's happened. Let me kind of set the scene for us, because it's kind of a unique moment. But here's what's happened so far in Luke 2. It's the Christmas story. Jesus was born to Joseph and Mary. The shepherds have come. They've glorified God. Joseph and Mary have praised God. They've, they've named the baby Jesus because that's what the angel told them to do. They've done a few other customary things up to this point. Back, when a, back then when a baby was born, it would be circumcised on the eighth day, and then they would bring the baby to the temple for a dedication. And when they would come and... They would bring a sacrifice. And these are, Joseph and Mary, these are new parents doing, you know, accord, doing what's right according to the law. Trying to do what's right as new parents to bring the baby to the temple to be dedicated to obey God. And we get into our text and they show up at church just like you did today. They show up at the front door. We could believe that before they even got to the front so, so again, if this is the church, if this is the church, now this isn't what you know, Simeon would have been in, but if you can imagine with me, if this was the church before they even got to here, like up here to dedicate, Simeon interrupts their movement, he greets them, and then he takes the baby from Mary's hands and he holds the baby up. The Lion King. And you and I read that and we pause because in our time, if someone did that, <laughs> they would be tackled by the security team or an usher. Before, probably before that, they'd be tackled by mom <laughs> taking the baby, right? Can you imagine this scene though? Can you, can you let yourself go back? Imagine every, early every morning, Simeon goes to the temple. He goes to the temple, he's watching and he's waiting for the Messiah to come. How, how would Simeon know who he is? How would he know him? What should he look for? Did he know to look for a baby? Or was he looking for a teenager or, an, or a young man? How did Simeon know what to look for? No one knows the answer to those questions. Day by day, though, he kept watch over the people coming into the temple. Every time a young couple came in with a baby, he'd whisper, is that the one? If you saw a teenager or a young man, is, is, is that the one? Lord, is, is, it, is it this one or is it someone else? Every day he watched and he looked and he waited and he questioned. Every day he came back and he did the same thing over and over. And every time he asked, the answer came back time and time again, no, that's not the one. Keep looking, keep watching, keep waiting. Here comes Mary holding the baby in her arms with Joseph by her side. Now Jesus is only 40 days old at this point. He's just a little over a month, right? I mean, never was there more an unlikely couple. You have, you have Joseph who's a poor carpenter from Nazareth. You have Mary who is a peasant girl carrying this little baby boy. 
I mean, they're obviously from the country. They don't have a lot of money. And if you're people watching, how many people, how, how many people are people watchers? And those who didn't raise their hand? You're in church. We're all people watchers. But if you were a people watcher, if you were watching this, you wouldn't give them a second glance. You wouldn't even think twice about this young couple with the baby as that's the one that's the Messiah. They're the ones who have the Christ child. They're in this cosmopolitan Jerusalem. They, they certainly stand out. Walking into the temple, Simeon sees them. He questions, we could say maybe for the 10,000th time, God, is that, is that the one? And the Holy Spirit in the moment says, yes. No wonder Simeon responded like he did. No wonder of all the time that he's been there waiting, looking, and he gets the answer he's been hoping to hear every day. No wonder he responded with running up to, coming up to, and taking the baby and holding the Christ child. Now, a lot of things have happened miraculously to Mary and Joseph up to this point. So um, we believe they're probably not completely taken with what's taken place with Simeon taking the baby. But you've got to imagine that they're looking at him like, who is this guy? As he holds Jesus, praising God. And he teaches us some important things about the Christ child that we need to learn. Three things in particular. So let's see as Simeon sees as he shows us these three important truths. Here's the first one. Jesus brings peace. Look back at our text. In our text, verse 29, as Simeon is holding Jesus, he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. He brings it to Simeon. He brings it to us today. Simeon blesses God. He praises God. And he says, I can die a satisfied and peaceful man because Jesus brings peace. Not just any peace. Not just temporal peace, but eternal resting peace forever and ever. Now, what we know in Scripture as mega themes is peace and conflict. Peace and conflict are these mega themes throughout Scripture. And we see peace and conflict going on, and it goes on in our lives, doesn't it? We experience the, the battle between wanting peace and having peace and the conflict that happens within the brokenness and the darkness within our own lives and around our lives. Peace and conflict are always, it seems, at war. And it feels like this time of year, it always feels a little more, feels a little heavier when we get to the Christmas season. And you got to understand, this wasn't a real peaceful time either at the time that Simeon is holding the Christ child. So it's inappropriate for us to remember and reflect, maybe for some to lean into in this season that God is the God of peace. His Son is the Prince of Peace, and His Spirit brings us peace. Jesus, in His own words, even said to us, John 16, he said, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Who, who's the peace in? It's not any, anything, it's not in me. It's not in the church. It's not anybody on this platform. It's not in any of you. It's not, it's not anything that we have. The peace is in Him. It's His peace. 
We're all longing for peace, right? All of us, I believe, could say, I, I desire, I want peace in my life. How many, how many people have ever said, I just want a little peace and quiet? How many of you said that this morning? Right? So that's what this verse for us is an invitation to, a little peace and quiet. An invitation to realize that Jesus brings that peace. He brings the peace to us that we are longing for. That nothing else and no one else can bring to us. Only He can. He brings it into multiple places within our lives. He brings us saving peace. He brings us ongoing inner peace where we can have this peace within us that no matter what's happening around us, we have peace. He can enable us to have relational peace. Because when we are right vertically with God through our relationship with Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, then we can have, we're enabled through His Spirit to have peace with others and work towards peace with others horizontally. Again, relational peace. Why is it this time of year, this time of year, relational conflicts seem to be heavier? Simeon is speaking to us the truth that Jesus can help. He can bring that relational peace to us. Inner peace. The thing that we truly, truly need to get through our day to day. Jesus guarantees Christians everywhere can have that inner peace. You could say it's situational peace because it overcomes the situation. Because why? Because Jesus has overcome. That's what he just said, 1633. Saving peace, the big part. Peace is a big deal to God. That's why it's a big deal to us, made in his image, right? We have this hardwired reality and desire that, that we want peace. We need peace. Peace. We search for peace. We try to do things to find peace. We try to try to have things to experience peace. We try to go places to encounter peace. We need peace. But what we most need is peace with God. And peace with God just doesn't come naturally. It doesn't just happen. Doesn't, it's not like we just drift into it. It's not automatic. And, then, and the reason is because we've all sinned. Every one of us. We've all sinned and fallen short. We've alienated ourselves from Him. And our sins have stained and messed up our fellowship with Him. That's the somber news of Christmas, but there is good news. Just like the angel proclaimed, there is good news of great joy. There is good news as Simeon holds the baby and talks about the peace that, that has come, there is good news that Jesus brings peace. Why? Because He is the Prince of Peace. And He has made it possible through His life and His death and His resurrection, which we reflected on last week in communion, He has made it possible for us to also partake in His peace. Jesus ultimately became the supreme peacemaker by by giving his own life, by sacrificing his own life, that you and I can have peace with God as we believe on Christ and peace with others. Because of Jesus, we can have peace. Because of the blood of the cross, we can have peace. That's a humble place, and it begins with humility. You and I can't experience peace without being in the posture of humility, which, which comes from being in relationship with Jesus. Earlier, I asked you what would it look like for you to die satisfied in that peace? Do you have that peace? Do you have the inner peace that Jesus brings? Like we all agreed, we all desire, we all want it. 
but it eludes so many. Genuine, eternal, and internal peace is a gift that God gives us. It's also a byproduct of walking with Christ in righteousness. That's how we obtain peace with God and peace with others. To be in peace with ourselves is a package deal. And that package, that present, is Jesus at Christmas. He comes to us as a baby in a manger who's now being held 40 days later by Simeon in front of all these people. And Simeon is singing this song. As many scholars and commentators say that this part of our text is Simeon's song. When Jesus comes in that posture of humility for us in the manger as a baby, he begins to change the entire peace and conflict narrative. In that moment, it all changes as it changes in our own life. And that should be incredibly encouraging. If you're at peace with God this morning and you're at peace with others, I would encourage you to join Simeon and start praising God in and through your life. If you're not, if you're in turmoil or conflict this Christmas, hear this proclamation that Simeon gives to us through Scripture that Jesus is the peace that you need and that you're longing for, that you're looking for, that you haven't found anywhere else because you won't until you find it in Christ. And that peace has come to light up your life. That's the first thing. Here's the second one. Jesus brings salvation. Look back at our text, verses 30 and 31. Simeon goes on as he sings this song. He says, For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. And again, he's got baby Jesus in his hands. He's holding, holding him up in the air. That's, that's just how I envision this moment. <laughs> Joseph and Mary are just staring at him like, hey man, that's our baby. We've got something to do. And Simeon is still speaking these words. He's saying, my eyes have seen your salvation. He's holding salvation in his hands. And he says, my eyes have seen your salvation. Not, not some theory of redemption. This isn't some theory. It's not some words of prophecy but the true, real salvation, which is Jesus. God has been on a mission up to this point to save His people. He sent mediators. He sent kings and judges and people to lead His people. He sent uh, prophets to warn His people. And now in this moment, He sent His Son who came humbly as a baby in the flesh, born into the world to save the world. See, in the first few pages of the Bible, if you were to start at the beginning, in the first few pages of the Bible, we learn that Adam and Eve had it all, and it was good. It was perfect. Everything was amazing. And only into the third chapter does everything start to fall apart. Everything begins to fall to the ground, breaking apart. And we've been trying to pick up those pieces ever since. And God sends His Son. He sends His Son in to save us from us, from us trying to pick those pieces up, which we have failed at miserably, from us wandering around looking for other pieces to put into this thing that we can't even put back together, from us wandering in the darkness trying to find more pieces that save ourselves. And God gave us His Son Jesus. And Simeon is holding Jesus. 
And he's looking into the eyes of the Savior King. The one who will go to the cross and look at us as he's nailed. As he's bleeding. And he says, my eyes have seen your salvation. Simeon didn't think cynically for a minute and go, well, you know, as I'm holding baby Jesus, what's the theology of salvation? What, what's, the, what's, the, what's the background? What's the, let me just do some research. Let me, let, me, let me just think about it. Let me just think it through. No, he's holding Jesus. He's interacting with the Savior King. This is personal. It's a personal experience. Why? Because salvation is personal. Salvation is personal because Jesus isn't a theory. He's personal. Let me ask you this morning, have you simply heard about God saving His people? Or have you personally been saved by God? Have you just heard about it? Has it been something about proximity? Or have you been personally saved by God? Have you experienced Him saving you personally? I'm not talking about your interactions with family who may be Christ followers, disciples, and walking. Maybe those who have even been baptized or, or friends who are Christians. How about you personally? Have you been saved by Jesus Christ personally? And I ask because salvation is personal. It's not abstract. It's not mysterious. When you encounter Jesus Christ, He changes you forever. And it's actually the kind of change that you and I are longing for, looking for. This is the kind of change we're actually wanting. And Jesus is the only one who can bring it, the eternal change into our life. And when He does, our desires change, our hope changes, our hope changes. It moves off of ourselves. It moves off of our stuff. It moves off of others. It moves off of our accolades and prestige and vocation. It moves off of everything of this world and it moves on to the only one, the only one who can bring it. Who is it? Hope. Jesus. Our hope changes. Our perspectives change, which is what brings peace. Because we see things as we should with a heavenly perspective, an eternal perspective. We have someone worth, worthy of our praise. Our fear of death changes. It begins to change because we're no longer afraid of dying. That, that giant has been conquered because in our death we are with Christ forever in the flesh and we are like Simeon holding the Savior face to face. Can you imagine the moment Everything changes. So please hear me. There is nothing more free and peaceful than just resigning ourselves to God's saving grace and resting in the finished work of Jesus Christ. It changes everything. Here's the last thing that Simeon says to us. Jesus brings peace and salvation. He brings light. He brings light, verse 32. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. 
Have you ever had to do a job where you have very little light, where you have minimal light, where you've got something to do, some type of work, something that you need to finish or complete, but you don't have really enough light to do it, and you just kind of have to sit there until your eyes adjust, until you are able to see better or see more clearly to get it done? See, that's what we experience by God's common grace. God's common grace allows us to see a little bit. To see a little bit. All of us are able in that sight of a little bit to comprehend truth about the world. We're able to learn things. We're able to grow in things. We're able to even master certain skills and crafts, right? But without the light of Christ, we can't see fully. We can't see clearly. And when Jesus comes, and as some have said, he flips on the lights and he saves us you and I can start to see truth from lies. You and I can start to see righteousness from unrighteousness. Not, not just outwardly. We're really good at seeing that in other people's life. But he allows us to see it internally, which is helpful. Because you and I know the person in the mirror. Sometimes it's hard to admit who's in the mirror but we need to see that clearly because until we are able to admit who's in the mirror, maybe until we're able to see that clearly, we can't confess it. We can't repent of it. We can't bring it to the altar where it was conquered victoriously in the resurrection. We can't be set free from it. We can, we can no longer move into a place of being no longer ashamed or, or feel guilty about it until we see it clearly. And Jesus does that. And when we're able to do that, you know what that does to us? It humbles us. And when we're humbled, you know what we're able to do? When people around us see them as Jesus sees them. And that changes the world. But we need his light. We need his light to do that. We start to see things that are worth being frustrated and angry about. And we start to see things that just don't actually matter. Every year at Christmas, around the globe, Christians light candles. It's a mark of celebration, but it's also a representation. And we'll do that on Christmas Eve. It's a celebration, it's a representation that Christ has come. The light has come. The darkness is fading. And one day, it will be completely conquered. It's getting brighter because God is light, which we studied last week. Again, John 8, verse 12, Jesus said to us, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's salvation. That's salvation. John 1, 5 John writes, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. That's peace. That's exactly what Simeon is giving to us, right? Salvation and peace. You see the peace that's found in that verse. The light shines in the darkness and what has the darkness not done? Overcome it, which means the light is victorious. It wins. It's won, meaning you and I are not destined to walk in darkness as we talked about last week, which brings us peace, which Simeon is experiencing as he's holding Jesus. Isaiah. Isaiah writes this. Isaiah chapter 60 verse 20. He says, Your sun shall no more go down, nor your moon withdraw itself, for the Lord will be your everlasting light. And listen to this. And your days of mourning 
shall be ended. That's salvation and peace. Salvation and peace. That's exactly to bring it all together. That's exactly what, what Simeon is experiencing as he's holding the Christ child in front of him. Salvation and peace. As I am saved in Christ, I have the peace of Christ. I, I need no other artificial light. I have the light. Let us see as Simeon sees Jesus, the eternal light. He illuminates. And in Christ Jesus, the lights, listen, never go out. There are things that you and I put our hope in in this world. There are people that you and I put our hope in in this world. And you know what? If I were to go around the room, even those watching online, if I were to say, has any of those things or people let you down? You know what I believe our, all of our answer would be? Yes. Some, some in spectacular ways, hurtful ways, some in very minor ways. But, but none of those things or people were perfect at always being a light. You know who is? Jesus. You get tired of me saying that? I hope not. I hope not. His light never goes out. And one day, and please hear this, he's coming back. Jesus is coming back. And there will be no darkness. And he is inviting you to be in his light forever. Maybe that's why you're here this morning. Maybe that's what you needed to hear. God's invitation to step out of your darkness, out of your wondering, to stop squinting, and instead experience the light of Christ so that you can see life. The life that you're actually looking and longing for. Simeon's story of seeing that light reminds us that Jesus is the only one who brings salvation and peace. Simeon was changed, right? He, he was able to, to say and answer the question that I started with. This is how I'll die, satisfied and at peace with Jesus. What would it look like for you and I what, it, what would it look like for us to anticipate meeting Jesus like Simeon? Now, it doesn't mean I need you here every day looking for people coming to the church. We don't have to look for the Savior. We have Him. He's here. But what would it look like if you and I every day lived our lives in that anticipation of that coming again? Oh, how it would change our lives. What would it look like for you and I to behold him like Simeon did in that moment? What would it look like for us to be preoccupied with Jesus Christ like Simeon? I believe it would change the world. He would change the world around us until he's back with us. May we see the light as Simeon saw. And may we reflect that light more and more every day until you and I are home. Today, we're going to see those who are walking that road with us proclaim it through baptism, which we're really excited to do. And again, this morning, if you came 
not prepared to be baptized, but God's been moving, the Spirit's been speaking. And you're a follower of Christ, but you're, you've not stepped into the baptismal waters. Or maybe as a baby you were sprinkled and you were dedicated as an infant and that, that's something we respect and that's something we honor, but believe, please understand that is your parents' faith. Maybe it's time now to proclaim it yourself. Please know that we've worked to stop any excuse. We have towels, we have clothes, we have clothes you can change into and you don't even have to give them back, you can keep them. They make really good pajamas. It's our Christmas gift to you. (laughs) If God is leading you to be a part of this, please step in obedience. Know that this will be a place where we will celebrate and we will champion and we will cheer and you will not be alone. So the band's going to come out. We're going to worship through song as we prepare for baptism. Let's sing together. Let's celebrate as we prepare. Father, thank you. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for Simeon. Thank you for what he teaches us, that salvation has come, brings us peace, it illuminates our life, helps us to see clearly the things that are important and the things that are not. God, I pray for those who may be here who are right now seeking you out. God, that you would reveal yourself, that your spirit would move in their life, and that salvation would come to them as it's come to many. And God, as we get ready to baptize and see other brothers and sisters proclaim and declare through baptismal your glorious work of salvation in their life, God, may we as, as one, as Jesus prayed, united celebrate that with cheers and hallelujahs. Only in Jesus, Jesus alone, is this possible. And for that, Father, we are grateful. We pray this in his name.